Welcome to the Wild Thai Podcast. I'm Neptune Chameleon. And I'm Lissa Lizards. And, and we're, we're your reptile, reptile girlies. girlies. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, fam. We have a little bit of housekeeping. Mm-hmm. A very exciting upcoming milestone. When we hit 500 subscribers so on YouTube, we're doing a live stream. I'm so freaking hyped, guys. We have, I, I, oh, please help us get to 500 subs just so that we can go live with y'all. Cause that's yes, like, we're, we're, so we're holding out just a little bit in order to just hit but that this number. Is gonna be, we're hoping it'll be like a live episode. That's right. What I really and then we can do. like yeah. have you guys participate mm-hmm. and like chat along yeah. with us and make friends in the comments. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is something we've been really excited to do, but yeah. I feel like you have to have enough subscribers to yeah i mean we will happily hang out with three of you but (laughs) all day all day but i think it'll be more fun if we can get you know a good group of of people and and it's extra fun to hit that milestone yeah you know so we're very excited so tell your friends subscribe subscribe and then join us live yeah we're so excited looking forward to that and thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the channel already and if you've done the subscription or patreon Mm -hmm. to get early access to the episodes like big thanks yeah very excited for you guys to be able to do that super appreciative of you guys it's something that's just an extra fun thing if you guys want to get early access or just support us so we appreciate you all yeah. And I know you have some little bit of news I with do. your enclosure. So you want to fill everyone in? Yeah. So I just got three new enclosures that I'm really, really, really hyped about. And they are four foot by two foot by 18 inch. And they are going to be massive, massive upgrades yeah. for my leopard gecko, my African fat tail gecko, and my tiger salamander kermit. So at this point, they're all built mm-hmm. that was a process yes. right yeah, oh <laughs> dude okay <laughs> literally she's I... texting me at like 1 a.m being like sos <laughs> if you saw that video on tiktok just know that it was quite literally filmed at almost 3 a.m because i was going insane because i built three of them and the first two i made mistakes on yeah it, happened. it was ridiculous i apparently stupidly assumed that the label that was like on there that said this yeah. is the front would say the same thing on all three but there was one that said this is the back and I put it in the front <sighs> when I build like Ikea furniture I just recently got a new tv stand was not Ikea but same idea yes. I always have to I'm like oh it takes an hour to like build no, it mm-mm. I'm like okay no, I need no. a factor in an extra 30 minutes minimum easily because I will get something wrong easily every time without fail no matter how closely I read the but, instructions it's just it happens but the problem with these enclosures <laughs> There's no room for error. <laughs> Once they're built, you, they're stuck. You literally yeah. cannot unhammer this top in, and that it was the top that I put on yeah. backwards. So my husband and I literally had to figure out basically what that meant is that in the front of the enclosure there weren't two tracks for the doors. Oh, so we had to come up with like a solution for the doors. And yeah, luckily yeah, yeah. they they did include like a little piece that I was able to like, like Jimmy rig in yeah, there kind of thing. Figure yeah. it out. So we ended up finding a solution, but there is one enclosure that the doors are a little wobbly. It's okay. <laughs> so. It's fine. So they're all built. So next mm-hmm. up you're gonna do what custom Custom backgrounds. backgrounds. Yeah. I'm gonna get some of that if you guys have ever seen the method where you use like that purple foam and you cut all of that out and then use the grout. So I'm gonna try yeah, yeah, that yeah. method. Gonna, those are gonna excited. look so good. Dude, I'm so excited. It's been 
it's been a huge challenge just like during wedding year and wedding planning and everything. Like there've been so many things that I've wanted to do, but I have quite literally, unfortunately just been doing like the bare minimum for the, for all of 2023. Cause I was so crazy busy in my personal life. And you don't just, it's not just one, like no. you're doing multiple I'm enclosures quite, at the same time. I'm quite literally upgrading almost every single one of my reptiles yeah, this year. That's, that's a lot. It's a huge undertaking. And it's just a lot. So it's just, it feels really, really good to but get they're, part they're of it built, done. They're in yes. there. Backgrounds are next. Mm-hmm. Then all the Full goodies on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then putting yeah. the critters, I'm, critters inside. I'm so ready. I'm so ready to get them into those enclosures. It is long overdue. Yeah. So we'll, <sighs> we'll keep you guys in the loop through the podcast yeah. as the process goes on. But be sure to drop her a follow mm-hmm. at Liz's Lizards because you'll be posting videos oh, yeah. through the entire process. You'll, so if you're looking for some inspo. You'll get updated there more a little bit more yeah, quickly yeah, yeah. than on faster, here. <laughs> faster than the pod for sure. Yeah. Plus, then you get to see all the visuals and everything, too, like the DIY. You're working on some enclosure upgrades, too, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. So I'm not building them myself. I'm reaching out to a couple different, you know, Mm -hmm. um, pros, really, Mm because we're looking for, like, really big chameleon enclosures. And if I'm going custom, we're going all out. Yeah. I want all the gadgets. I want all the gizmos. I want the dimmer lights. I want, like... I want, I want all the bells and whistles. Dude, I'm so hyped for you. It's going to be it's so just cool. it's taking forever I know. to get it done. It's a whole process, man. It's, yeah. It, it, trust me, I've been planning my upgrades for like over six to eight months. No, and it's I'm finally hoping happening. like maybe by summer is now I what so. I'm like hoping yeah. would be realistic. Like that's, a, that's a doable timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in conversations in the works, but nothing has been Finalized. built yet or yeah. like is in the in process um but very much looking forward to those but my guys are okay in their yeah. current enclosures mine this are like just- some of my some of mine are very much like like for example my lever gecko he's perfectly yeah. fine in Doing his great. 36 36 inch long enclosure but he's gonna get a four foot and i'm very excited yeah very excited little old man charlie i know he deserves the best yeah yeah, so, yeah, I'm pumped. So those are our updates on kind of yeah. enclosures because I know we had mentioned previously in episodes that that's something we were both prioritizing for yes. 2024. So just keeping you guys in loop, holding ourselves mm-hmm. accountable that we're, you know, we appreciate you making... for also holding us accountable. Yes. <laughs> Where is the enclosure? I'm working on it. It's coming, guys. It's all coming. Yes. So we're going to be talking about a very highly... I don't know if debate is the right word, opinionated maybe also, topic. Also highly requested. You guys have asked yes. us many times in yes. our Q&As. We couldn't just this. pick one username of someone yeah. who is uh-uh. asked us because there's like yeah. there's a bunch of you. too many of you to shout out. Yeah. <laughs> but we're talking beginner reptiles mm-hmm. and... Beginner. Yes, we should... <laughs> air quotes. Like, yes. this is what people call these reptiles. So this mm-hmm. is what we're going to be referring to them as. But we're going to be giving our two cents on whether or not they should actually be beginner mm-hmm. reptiles, what we would actually recommend yes. as beginner reptiles. And lots of reps. In the, in the nuances that come with classifying reptiles as beginner versus advanced. Yeah. And there's a lot of nuances. There's a, like, like you said, this is just, this is a little bit debated. <laughs> Buckle up guys. This and is going to get using, using the word beginner can be a little bit of a hot button topic. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people get kind of heated about calling any reptiles beginners. I'm yeah. personally not a big fan of the word. No, I and I am on the side of being a primarily chameleon mm-hmm. keeper where we get dubbed as advanced. 100%. And people will get shot down mm-hmm. for wanting a chameleon because they're advanced. So I'm on the opposite end of it right. where I don't like the fact that they're called 
advanced, right? right? Which then goes hand in hand with mm-hmm. beginner. I don't, I don't like that leopard geckos and bearded dragons are called beginners. So yeah. it's it's totally opposite tracks yeah, here. But, it, but they're connected, right? Mm-hmm. They're all tied it's, together. It's all the same issue. Yeah. So <laughs> I think what we should start out with is just like primarily why people are calling these beginner. Great question. Beginner yeah. animals and what that entails. So really what the stem from my two cents is that people were wanting to get into the reptile hobby. Totally. There's so many different reptiles you mm-hmm. can choose from, which can be overwhelming. Super So then you There's ask so the many. question, well, what reptile should I get? start out with? And it's with this cons- like idea that you need certain level experience prior to owning mm-hmm. what would then be the next level right. up. Right. And that's where it gets... Well, where it gets complicated. I know that when you wanted a chameleon, you were definitely shot down a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So I, it wasn't like, do you want a reptile? It was like, do you want a chameleon? Right. Yeah. And that's, it was the same with my dog. It wasn't, I want a dog. It was, I want a Dalmatian. Mm-hmm. And they're also very similar of like, they're considered high energy that you would need yeah. some mm-hmm. dog breed experience prior to owning them. Right. So chameleons are in the category of being advanced totally and so people told me and as somebody whose chameleon was my second reptile i i know you disagree with it but i do think they're more advanced than some species right but, but it, again it, it varies and it depends right and so people would tell me you should get a crested gecko before you get a chameleon i'm like but i don't want a crested gecko i, I want na- a chameleon <laughs> i now own a crested gecko but besides the point at the time at i the wanted time, you, were, you were dead set chameleon. you had your yeah. heart set on a chameleon yeah but people were saying that you should get a crested gecko the other beginners mm-hmm. we always see are beater dragons leopard geckos ball pythons yep, yep those i think in my opinion those are the four species that are like the most commonly labeled as beginners and i think it's because the availability that comes 100 with them you can walk into a pet smart petco any day of the week mm-hmm. and you will find a beardy a ball python a or Leo. on the flip side even if you are going to expos and like you know looking for breeders things like that even when you go to expos the majority of the, the animals at yes, expos are those four the su- species the supply mm-hmm. of those species is quadruple and, and other other species in my opinion a little oversaturated in the market but right right we've talked about that i digress as well. yeah <laughs> yeah so people are calling them beginner because they're readily mm-hmm. available and then people think that their care is mm-hmm. so easy but i will say uh, i think another part of the reason why more people want to get them is because they google it and there's tons and tons and tons and care info whether that's the right or wrong info yeah. there's tons of info readily available yep yep and that's probably a big part of it too yeah i think where people have a hard time with calling a beardy a beginner a leo a beginner mm-hmm. a crusty or a ball python beginner is that there's this misconception that they're easy to keep and then easy is right. correlated with little research mm-hmm. little cost mm-hmm. right like oh it's just low low effort low effort low maintenance and those are not words that i not, would ever describe any reptile any pet which with, is the ever. problem of this entire like terminology yeah. of this beginner advance like a bearded dragon is going to need a uvb bulb just like a chameleon needs mm-hmm. a uvb bulb which i'm only using as an example mm-hmm. because they're stereotypical advanced yes reptile like mm-hmm. everyone considers a chameleon advanced then you're also going to need a strict supplement schedule yes. with a bearded dragon mm-hmm. that you would also need 
with a chameleon. Absolutely. Then if you look at the diet, I would say a beer dragon's diet is more complicated than a Mm -hmm. chameleon's diet. Chameleons are exclusively insectivores. Beardies need bugs and veggies everything else bugs veggies and uh, like sometimes fruits i mean it's just it's yeah, a lot more complex. way more complicated yeah. mm-hmm. right then you're looking at the the space requirements i would say a chameleon takes up less space mm-hmm. than a bearded dragon would because they're horizontal versus right. vertical but see in my opinion i i hear you and that's 100 yeah. true that like you know horizontal is technically more space you can do more with vertical space yeah but in general a beardy enclosure even and, and it's debated right now on the enclosure size of bearded dragons. I know that standard is, you know, going up and pushing yeah. for more and all of that. But sure. but in general, a two by two, a two by two by four or a four by two by two enclosure for both of those species, that is not a small animal. No. That is not a small space commitment. No. I mean, that is both of those are larger species. And we're using beardy specifically because that's probably the number the one top, like yeah. most recommended mm-hmm. first beginner. Yeah reptile but as we go down the list of bearded dragon care requirements Mm -hmm. it is near similar it's very very similar to all the other requirements that you would need for any other reptile species and and mind you i would consider myself i would never ever call myself an expert in any way shape or form but i would consider myself an advanced reptile keeper absolutely yeah 100 percent I don't have a bearded dragon because they are so freaking needy. I know how much time they require in yeah. order to like be properly cared for. They need more socialization. They need more yep. time out of yep. their enclosure. They literally will bang on their enclosure door if they're not getting out enough. Like I don't have time for that. <laughs> right. But then if we also look at ball pythons, mm-hmm. crestes and leos, yeah. right? The other mm-hmm. three that we commonly see recommended mm-hmm. as beginner reptiles, those also need yes. all the other things yes. that we just talked about, mm-hmm. right? And 100%. so that's why it is so frustrating for people who are in deep in the hobby mm-hmm. to see the term beginner reptile just thrown I, around. I get and, and, and love you guys for commenting, engaging in my content, all of that. But the amount of people that ask me, you know, what beginner reptile? I'm like, none, none, none. They're, none if, are beginners. <laughs> or this drives me nuts. Which one's the easiest? Literally none. If you're looking I for want an a easy reptile, pet, which one's the easiest? If you're looking for an easy pet, get a Tamagotchi. <laughs> get a freaking Tamagotchi, okay? Stop, those are, <laughs> get a plushie. Yeah. <sighs> no, and that, that is what is so frustrating because that mm-hmm. like thought process yep. of like, I'm looking for the one that's easiest, just like, gives me the like Ugh. sick feeling in my stomach because gives me the that ick. to me makes me think that you're looking for the like the easy yep. way out or the least amount of effort mm-hmm. the least amount of cost mm-hmm. the least amount of space and if that's the case then you shouldn't be owning yep. the pet like you should be willing to do whatever it is always for the species you want not the one that is recommended and but that, the one you want and i know that that's your big take yes on the whole like advanced versus beginner thing right so like you're very much on the side because like you said, people encouraged you to get something that you didn't want. Yeah. And your first reptile was a chameleon. Was a chameleon. And, and you have killed it from day one. <laughs> and not the animal. But the uh, whole, yeah, let's the, be very clear. <laughs> sorry. And you killed it. I, imme- <laughs> I immediately realized how that sounded. But no, like, but you have literally yeah. from day one had your setup. I mean, you've made changes and advancements oh, and things course. like that. Yeah, but yeah, from yeah. day one, you've had like the higher standard of care. Yeah. Yeah, and the, this is, I think, what it comes down to is like, instead of calling these beginner or mm-hmm. advanced reptiles, what we would recommend as mm-hmm. the your first reptile, and I guess that assumes that you would be having multiples 
but I guess that's also first or only yeah up, up to you yeah doesn't mean there has to be a second one right. but your first pet reptile should be most importantly mm-hmm. the one you, you want, want. Mm-hmm. the one that gets you excited because here, here's the thing if you're if you're getting the one that you want, if that is really the animal that you want, and quite honestly, if you need an, if you want an animal in general, you shouldn't be half-assing it. Correct. You need to be going full steam ahead, full effort, full care, full-time commitment. Snaps. Snaps. Like you, yes. You cannot do it halfway. You simply can't. And so the thing is, like, if you're if you're going to go full steam ahead for it, why not just get the one that you want? It has to be the one that you are willing mm-hmm. and wanting to spend yes. hours researching days hours and hours and Mm -hmm. hours potentially months potentially years Mm -hmm. i researched communes for about two years before i even got one like you have to be willing and wanting to put in so much time Mm -hmm. into the research phase that's part one then you have to be willing that's not even everything step step one then you have to be willing to put in Mm -hmm. whatever cost is required for the health of the animal whatever space enclosure is required Mm -hmm. for the health of the animal and that goes back to what you're saying you don't have fasting you don't cut Mm -hmm. corners because you want the best life possible and if and to that point if you're doing what somebody else tells you and getting something that is you know lesser according to them right right but introductory. it's not but introductory, yeah. but it's not what you want. You can't tell me that you're not going to give that less time and attention than the animal that you would want. Yeah. Right? And then, and then why are you getting that animal in the first in place the, to check a box Right. to say you kept right. this thing mm. before yeah. you were able, like what the reason why people are saying that is because they want you to, to learn. Right. Right. And maybe a species that's a little more forgiving if you make mistakes. 100%, right. Yeah. I, I can understand mm-hmm. that thought process, but if we do it right from the beginning, then, if we have a strong understanding of what the heck UVB mm-hmm. supplements are from the beginning, mm-hmm. then we don't need to check that lesser box nope. of this animal that people have deemed mm-hmm. has a higher margin for error. Because exactly. if you do it right from the beginning, if you buy from a good breeder, then like you'll you'll be okay. Yeah, and you're you can, you're like the perfect case study for I that. I am. Like, I'm showing, it, and the, you can hear at least like we're getting very like passionate about this little little heated (laughs) but it's because it is so incredibly frustrating Mm -hmm. not only for us as content creators i obviously give like a like mentorship right to to individuals but like these poor animals i know right like they're the ones who's suffering yeah Yeah. and that's coming from somebody who like has i've made so many mistakes like i will preach all day long about all the mistakes that i've made and that's okay that is honestly expected we learn from it Mm -hmm. we grow from it but in all honesty i wasn't full steam ahead. I was not doing all the research. I did a lot of research, but I wasn't doing the right research because I didn't know better at the time. Right. And if I would have spent more time on it, I would have made less mistakes. So it's just, it's, it's very, it's a very nuanced topic. Yes. So if that's kind of the mentality, yeah, the synopsis of this like beginner advanced scenario. So then I think it's only fair that we give you guys recommendations Mm -hmm. of animals totally that maybe we would recommend as Mm -hmm. your, your first reptiles. But I think the, what we want to caveat this and we just, you guys know, we talked like for an hour before this, I'm like, (laughs) we had a whole whole prep session. (laughs) What do we want to cover? What do we, how do we want to go about saying this in the two things I wrote down that were criteria for like your first reptile or beginner reptile would can you get a healthy animal mm-hmm. and is there enough solid care information mm-hmm. that you would feel confident i would in- say solid and consistent yes 
Yeah. Because if you're if, if you're researching an animal and you're seeing conflicting tons and tons of conflicting care info, like that's gonna make it a lot harder Correct. for you. Correct. Yeah. So you have to be able to find an animal healthy. that is well bred, healthy. Mm-hmm. You would never for a first time keeper recommend something that is hard to find wild wild caught mm-hmm. or poorly bred or just isn't or readily not, available. Or, or honestly, and by readily available, that's saying the same thing as like not bred often. There are a lot of species out there that aren't bred very often and so yeah. therefore they're hard to find they're rare which usually means that there's less information out there on their care and why are we saying that having that solid consistent care information is a huge factor <sighs> because if you're seeing a lot of conflicting stuff and you're not really certain on all the specifics then you're essentially experimenting on this animal yep. for yourself and that's the situation that you don't want to be in and then it's a really hard to grasp those more complicated topics like UVB yes. or supplementation. Because this is such a good little like point. I love this. But basically, like when people say, you know, that an animal is more advanced or more experienced, it's because that experienced person understands that you need to know the basics of reptile care. You need to, like you were saying, you have to understand the concept of UGC or <laughs> the concept of UVB as yep. a whole. Yep. You have to understand the complement or the Everything that involves a supplement schedule, you have to understand the complexities of a diet. You have to understand the complexities of keeping humidity up in an enclosure, keeping temperatures correct. Like those How do you are the even basics. control those, yes, right? Yes. You're like, hey, I know my species needs mm-hmm. this humidity, but my home mm-hmm. is this. And like even, you have to know how you can Even the basics of like what, what tools to use. Yes. If you've never heard of a thermostat before, much less used one, then and there's a dimming thermostat or there's like a manual thermostat. There's so many different things. Yes. So those are, I think, the basics that somebody needs to know in order to go into owning almost any reptile. Right. And so therefore, like until you know those basics, you shouldn't be getting any reptile in general. But if there's tons of great care information that simplifies Mm -hmm. that, that makes it easy to understand, that sets you up for success, that is going to put you way ahead of species that maybe only a handful of keepers Mm -hmm. are keeping. So for example... I have a Christopher Parsons chameleon. There is no Christopher Parsons care sheet. Mm-mm, it does not, not there it does Mm-mm. not exist. There are two breeders that I was able to contact beforehand, but I also had a couple of years of chameleon experience under my belt. Yeah. So then I felt comfortable what I would then consider is an advanced species totally. because they're not readily available, mm-hmm. because there's not tons of care information, versus say a male veiled or a male panther chameleon. Right. That those are my go-to. If you want a pet chameleon, mm-hmm. start there. Because mm-hmm. of exactly what we've just said. Yes. There's tons of great breeders. There's tons of great info. So then you can understand how UVB and supplements are intertwined to each other. Mm-hmm. So then when you're taking care of another species from Madagascar, you already have that baseline yeah. knowledge. And then you have understanding of you know what a healthy animal looks like, mm-hmm. what a sick animal looks like. The signs of all of that. So everything. then you're like, hey, you know, their poops aren't looking great. Let me yeah. make these adjustments. Like you mm-hmm. already have that knowledge Mm -hmm. to be able to then care for an animal that doesn't have as much readily available information. And you just said something that I think is also important for, in terms of like make us making like recommendations and things like that. Yeah. You mentioned male veiled and male panthered. Why is that? Because they don't lay eggs. Mm -hmm. And that is true for most reptile species. Yes. So So having the, the males just takes that out of the equation. Mm -hmm. I 
now own a female panther mm-hmm. chameleon who will de- be dealing with eggs, but I would never recommend that to a new mm-hmm. keeper. This is an added complexity of having yes. to deal with infertile eggs and then the stress and honestly just the anxiety mm-hmm. of like, could she get egg bound? Could she yes. die? I just see it in new keepers mm-hmm. all the time. The same thing goes for female leopard geckos, female African fat tail geckos, bearded dragons can also lay infertile eggs. Like yep. all of those for the most part, when it comes to gender and recommending reptiles for somebody who's a new reptile keeper, I would just not recommend females at first. My yeah. my first gecko was a pet smart baby, unfortunately. But because of that, I was it was a gamble. I literally had to right. look up at like 16 years old, how to sex a leopard gecko on Google. <laughs> Your Google and I, history. And I, I had to do it myself. Yeah. I had to look up how to do that. And I just got, it was luck of the draw that I got right, a male. Right, a male thank, yeah. thank God I got a male. But if I had gotten a female, I would have had no idea what to do if, if she ended up being egg bound. And it goes back to that margin for error, mm-hmm. right? By having a female reptile, your margin for error is significantly higher. Yeah. You know, significantly is a better word. But well, it would be less margin for error, true. right? Yeah, because yeah. you can't afford to have improper mm-hmm. care or she's not going to be able to lay her eggs, mm-hmm. get egg bound. It is the number one cause of death in, in females. females. Yeah, yeah. And it's just most times is preventable and is due mm-hmm. to husbandry care issues. So- Again, goes back to being on point yes. with your care. Yes. But just number one recommendation, stick with males your first go yep. if you can. Yep. So Okay, beyond finding an animal that you actually want, beyond mm-hmm. an animal that is readily available, that has lots of care information, that's a male, what would you say are some maybe s- specific species you would recommend? So for one that is I would highly highly recommend leopard geckos and African fat tail geckos. I think they kind of go, they, they have different care, but for me, those are ones specifically leopard geckos that are known as like a beginner. And I personally would recommend those. Those are ones that I, I do think that they are great for a lot of people. And I think the reason being is that they are typically easily handleable. Handleable. Mm-hmm. You can always get stuck with an individual who hates handling right, and right. isn't going to be okay with it. But for the most part, they're usually very easy to handle. I think they're a better size than some of the recommended ones, like bearded dragons, stuff like that. Yeah, they I get mean, big. Yeah, it's and they do require a big ish enclosure. At, at a bare minimum, I think leopard geckos need a thirty-six by eighteen by eighteen, and I think that's a great size. But it's not as big as you know a four to six foot enclosure for a bigger animal. Sure. So they're a reasonable size. And I also think their diet is a little bit more simple. It's live insects. So if you're squeamish with insects, it's not a good option for you. But I think it's very simple, you know, that you can go and get live insects. There's not complexities to it. Like right. let's say bearded dragons where they need, you know, insects the, the and vegetables. And and, yeah. yeah, it's it's just a little bit more simplistic, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there are still a lot of misconceptions about those too, that they don't need UVB and this and that. And there, there's still a lot of conflicting info out there about them, but they're readily available. They are almost, you can find them healthy almost anywhere. There's a ton of care info out, in, out there about them. And I would suggest that there is more correct care info out there than there is wrong nowadays. That's I, great. I think it's yeah. getting better and better. Um, and then African fat tail geckos, I, I think are in the same vein of leopard geckos where they need a lot of the same things. They need about the same enclosure size. They definitely need, you know, higher humidity. There are differences, but I, for all the same reasons, I would recommend a leopard gecko. I would also recommend an African fat tail gecko. I, I just think they're wonderful and they have 
some of the best personalities. I was going to say, I, was gonna, I wasn't sure if you're going to touch on that, but yeah. their personalities they just, are, are so much fun. They're so fun. They're so unique. They're all very different. And, and they're just so much more personable than some other reptile species. One we were talking about before we started recording was crested geckos. Mm-hmm. Cause those are notorious in the list of beginner reptiles. I, I don't recommend in my two cents in my, frustration <laughs> with people recommending crested geckos is they just try to dumb down mm-hmm. their care and make it like super simple super easy but in fact is actually in my opinion not not suitable care because they're like oh you just need to feed them powdered you know food or whatever right the gecko diet and it's like okay yes that is part of their diet but like and- you still need and it to is, feed them bugs. And it is true. They can yes. they can easily survive on only that diet, but then you're depriving them but of the, the hunting quality and of life. Right. Yeah. yeah. But people will be like, oh, you want a reptile, you don't like bugs? Get a crested gecko. And it's like, sure, that that is true to an extent. They can only eat that, but again, you're but depriving this, this them of the some of their natural behaviors. A reptile doesn't need UVB, UVB. you know, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing with crested geckos is people are like, oh, they just keep them at room temp. They don't need any yeah. heat bulb. They don't need any lights. They don't need all this. Just throw them in this tiny little glass enclosure, and a little fruit paste, and they're good. And, and I couldn't agree more. Like the simplification of the care is one of the most frustrating parts about this whole conversation yeah. and the whole topic in general, because there's just so many, my brain is spiraling with like so many different things on this topic, but yeah. They, in my opinion, I don't, I would not recommend a crested gecko because I think when it, talking about personalities, in my opinion, crested geckos kind of have two pers- two options for personalities. Yes. They're either flat out psychotic and crazy and jumpy and insane, or they're super chill, which is, which is great. But a lot of people recommend crested geckos for kids. Yeah. And so if we take the care out of the equation, just the individual yeah. animal they are so jumpy and while so if you learn their behavior they can be very predictable mm-hmm. you can know when they're about yeah. to jump but uh, someone who's not experienced with reptiles is not going to be able to predict Mm-mm. that behavior they're just going to belly flop mm-hmm. on the ground they're going to drop their tail yep. the kid's going to freak out because they don't even know yes. that they dropped the, their the tail. dropping of the tail is huge to me too i mean yeah. that's i just uh i just there's a lot of reasons yeah I, it, so th- that's why i get a little frustrated with crested geckos because could it survive mm-hmm. in an enclosure oh, literally with just dude, years ago i don't even know if people are, i hope people are still not doing this but crested geckos in particular i have literally seen people keep them in a tub granted it's a taller ish tub but it's still not arboreal enough in yeah. my opinion but in a tub with unprinted newspaper blank newspapers as the coverage and yes yeah. that animal can hide in there sure yeah it's it's great for coverage but like your quality you're, of life right you're keeping like, it in a box of office supplies really like what do you put a highlighter in there like are you joking <laughs> Like, no, you cannot tell me that that animal is living a quality of life. No, and this like, goes back to that episode we did on surviving versus thriving, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Is the animal alive? Absolutely. Are they thriving? Are no. you providing them no. the best life possible? Absolutely not. You can't tell me that that animal is supposed to be hiding around in some newspaper. That's insane. No, and so to recommend an animal because it's the easier mm-hmm. option or you're not comfortable providing... It's very similar to the surviving versus thriving conversation. Just because an animal can survive in minimal conditions does not make it a beginner animal for people. Right. 
And I it think goes that, back to what we said in the beginning. Do you want it? Right. And are you willing? And how bad do you want it? Right. Are you willing mm-hmm. to do what it takes? Right. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's the thing. Okay. So Ugh. that would be your recommendation yeah. for a beginner lizard. I would kinda. say, I would say gecko, but yeah. I, for anybody who may want a bigger reptile, I honestly, I would actually recommend a blue tongued skink over a bearded dragon mm. personally. And I have a, I have a Northern blue tongue skink, but what I like about blue tongue skinks is that there's more than one option on the type. Yep. If you're wanting an animal that is a little bit more tropical species, has like higher humidity, which can be really fun to do like bioactive stuff with and things like that. Totally. If you're wanting something like that, you can get a, um, what are they called? Indonesian or Halmahera blue tongue skink. Or you can go the more arid version and get a northern blue tongue skink if you want. There's, there's I have some homework to do after yeah, this. I know. To look I, up. Sorry, I'm saying a bunch <laughs> of look up all these a things. bunch of different types of species. But but that's the cool thing is there's there's options there versus yeah. bearded dragons. There's options when it comes to morphs and things like right, that. Right, right. But not like but, the geography yeah. or the environment that you would need to mm-hmm. provide for them. Yeah, yeah. That and they and they are bigger, right? But they're, they're not going to be mm-hmm. you know anything. No, crazy. It's, it, so if you're wanting a bigger lizard that has care that is totally doable, totally manageable, I also I know we've talked about like the variants of the diets being a little bit more complex. Yeah, but a, a blue tongue skink is one that they eat meat, they eat lettuce, not lettuce, different types of greens. Um, but, but they eat those things that are readily available in your household. Right. And, and the, you definitely, again, it is, it is more complex though than just is. like an exclusively mm-hmm. like bug, yeah. bug diet. But if you're weighing between maybe a beer dragon and a blue tongue skink mm-hmm. and you're okay with having a diet yeah. that is more varied, then yeah. it might be a, a good one to consider. Totally. And they're also very personable. You know, they can have great personalities. They can also have really sassy personalities, <laughs> which is fun too. But it's just, I I really, really love that species. Yeah. And I feel like they're slept on a little bit. Like people totally don't give them the, the credit they yes, deserve. Yeah. I know. And I feel like they it's not that they aren't readily available because they're very readily available. You can find they're blue just tongue skink readers. Right. They're not on PetSmart. Right. So then people aren't going mm-hmm. to be having yeah. exposure to them or knowing that they're totally. out there. And even at expos, I don't see many no. blue tongue skinks. Mm-mm. No, I actually, I had mine shipped to me. <laughs> yeah. So it was very oh different. Oh my gosh, but the baby skinks They're though? so cute. They're so tiny. And they're they, just... They're little nuggets. They're just little just, miniature versions. They well, yeah, they're they one look of those. like the adults, just yes. tiny. Okay, this is a complete tangent. Okay, go complete for it. Complete tangent has nothing to do with reptiles, but it is. It's very similar to what we're talking <laughs> about right now. Did you see that recently? They photographed a what they believe is a newborn great white shark. A, what a fresh out of the womb newborn great white shark why are we recording this right now i feel like i need no, to stop I, everything and I, go look this up i will show you this picture because it's crazy but the cool thing is that we have no and we've never witnessed great white sharks breeding we've never witnessed the birth of a great white shark we have no idea where they do this how they do this we don't know anything about their mating okay which is crazy so to find a what we believe is a newborn great white shark is insane but the reason i bring it up is because they're just like blue tongue skinks where a lot of animals like for example like you know, dogs, they, they have a, a puppy look. They yeah. have like a yeah, baby yeah, yeah. look. And I forget what the term is. There's a term, but blue tongue skinks fall into this category of like, they look the exact They're, same. They look like an adult. They're yeah. just mini. They don't look like, yeah. they don't look like babies or puppies. They, right. they, they just look smaller and great white sharks are the same way. 
where like oh, it literally a little, it little looks shark. it looks like a fully formed giant shark but it's this big it, it, i think it, i think they said it was like four or five feet long stop oh my gosh and the reason they believe it's newborn is because it's almost solid white and so oh. they're they're believing now potential this is such a tangent guys i'm so sorry but <laughs> it's I'm, animals this yeah. is fine and if you know me you know i'm obsessed with aquatics as well i share a lot on my instagram story of aquatics too because i just i love no it. sharks but, sharks count this is good but they believe that now that they're seeing this shark they when they first saw it they were like is that an albino great white that's right, crazy it's so white but they, yeah. they're believing now that it might have been a total newborn and apparently the babies might like grow that gray that's on top throughout their life which is super oh, cool so it's not quite a mini version of the adult thing because the coloration just a may little be bit, but the, a little different we but, don't know this is like the first time we're seeing so it exciting right and then going back to reptiles, you have panther commands who look nothing, nothing. like little, an adult. Little gray nuggets. Yeah. Little peanuts. <laughs> yeah. Little then brown they things. Develop their colors over time. And rainbows. Yeah. yeah. Wild. So, no. Fun tangent there. Big thanks to Pangea Reptile for the support of the podcast. They're one of the leading companies for reptile supplies, lizards, and their world-famous gecko food. They just released their brand new micro feeding dishes made specifically for baby or micro geckos. These smaller dishes can be mounted to smooth surfaces and even branches and will help stop your gecko from getting food all over their enclosure. If you own a gecko, you know exactly how nice it'll be to not have to clean food paw prints everywhere. Head on over to PangeaReptile.com to check out these new micro dishes along with their other amazing products like their face packs for shipping, chameleon kits, and gecko food. Okay, so I did want to also talk about snakes a little yes, bit. Yes, 100%. So ball pythons are the stereotypical <sighs> beginner reptile. But I know when we were chatting, you were like, I actually wouldn't even recommend I would never, literally never recommend a ball python for somebody who's never kept a reptile or specifically never kept a snake. So this is, so how you were saying with mm -hmm. me, how my first reptile was a chameleon and that was taboo, yes, right? Very. That's the perfect word for that. When we had met, you're like, I want a pied ball python. Mm -hmm. That was you at that point had not owned snakes. Yeah. And you were like, my first snake is going to be a ball python. And I had it in my head, like you said, that I would get a ball python as my first snake because for the experience. For the experience. And because everybody always called them beginners. So I just had that in my head. Like, if I want to own a snake, yes. I first need to own mm -hmm. a ball python. Yeah. But I have always and forever been obsessed with boa constrictors right i I've, that's the one you wanted 100 mm -hmm. percent. Yep. yep and so i started doing research on you know snakes and boas and things like that and i found out that hog island boas were a thing which are a dwarf locality boa yep and dwarf locality boas there's more than just mine which is the hog island there are lots of other look it up dwarf locality boa constrictors they're so freaking cool but they don't get nearly as big as the regular boa constrictor emperors mm -hmm. and so it, it's just wild but they get to a much more manageable size. They get about the same size as like a large female ball python. Right. But what I love about boas and that I would recommend, actually, I would recommend a boa constrictor over a ball python for a beginner reptile keeper, which is a pretty bold statement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we go back to what we were saying, just the personalities of a crested gecko mm -hmm. versus a leo, mm -hmm. a ball python gets its name because it stays in the ball. Mm -hmm. 
all day, not all day, but you know, majority majority of the time. And I will say, I do think that that is a little bit of a like stereotype that they aren't very active and they always stay balled up and they do to, to an extent, but yeah. the, the people who give their ball pythons the space that they deserve, trust me, they see a that's, lot of activity. That's, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. They, I, but in general, ball pythons are not as active as boa constructors. And that was one of the reasons I was hesitant on getting a ball python because I was like, I don't really want a snake that's just going to like sit around all the time. I want one that's a little bit more active. I feel like boas have Mm -hmm. a very high activity level. Would you say, and this may be a stereotype as someone who's just naive to to snake care, but ball pythons are known to be not great eaters, right? Where they get that off is the food and stuff. Number one reason why I would not recommend them to anybody yeah. who's never had a snake before, because they are notorious for going off of food, going off of feeding, and refusing to eat for months and months at a time, is which that, is so stressful for new keepers. Is that due to improper yes. care, though? Always. Okay. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, there's no way that it. Well, like, I will say it nine times out of ten. Yes. typically i I figured there are instances where it's just like a a snafu but i'm like with the amount of times you Mm -hmm. hear my ball pythons not eating like makes me think that there's something bigger i will i will go out on a limb here and say that 75 percent of those cases are because that they're not cluttering up the enclosure enough and making that ball python feel safe okay okay which goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of not doing yeah and Mm -hmm. it and that even goes and that even it's all literally all connected because it even goes back to the situation that that is the argument that breeders use for why they should keep ball pythons in tubs is because they get stressed out and will go off food because of the large enclosure when in reality it's not the large enclosure it's the lack of security and the lack of clutter and the lack of hiding spots which is not unique to ball pythons that is a reptile thing all across the board through and through Mm -hmm. yeah so it's yeah it's literally all connected all of it. So but would you say boas are better 100% eaters better than? eaters. And okay. that's a big reason why I would recommend, if you're looking to get your first snake, I would recommend either a boa. If you want the big full-grown BCI, go for it. Just know it's a big time commitment. But highly, highly recommend dwarf locality boas for any new reptile keeper, snake keeper, and also corn snakes. And that's because they are notoriously great eaters. Okay, but corn snakes are a little skittish though. Yeah, they are. They're a little... Mm-hmm. And they'll just if like you want, fly, fly if, around. And that's because they're colubrids. So yeah. that's, you know, another type that of snake. That would be my, I feel like that's the equivalent of like a crested gecko oh, that's like jumpy, you it, know? It's, like It's the whole reason that I have two boas and one colubrid yeah. because I don't, I I love corn snakes. I love, I love my Taz, but I will never have another corn snake because I just, they're, they're too squirmy, too yeah. squirmy for me. When we go to expos, I will happily hold a ball python. Mm-hmm. I will happily hold a boa. I will never hold no, crazy. a colubrid. I do not trust myself. I am not mm-hmm. experienced enough in snake handling yeah. to not have that snake just fly out of, yeah. <laughs> fly I, out of my hands. I prefer the slow moving snakes, which in my opinion are hey, the boas. I have chameleons, man. That is the, that is the big reason why yeah. I have chameleons is because they're very predictable. Mm-hmm. They're slow moving versus my crested gecko. Love him to pieces, but he stresses me out yes. when he just like catapults. Totally. Or, yeah. So I, literally my number one snake recommendation would be a dwarf locality boa. And then my second recommendation would be a corn snake with the caveat that yeah, they are very know. squirmy. They're yeah. very, very active. And you will definitely have to learn a lot with like the handling of them. But that them. might be appealing to someone that's who wants I mean. one that's a mm-hmm. little bit more active Squirmy or a little bit more of a challenge mm-hmm. with with handling right. and things like that right. yeah but those are the two that i would recommend mainly because they are far better eaters than ball pythons because even though 
the main reason for ball pythons going off of food is, you know, husbandry and all of that. Yeah. There are many, many cases where a ball python will just go off food for, mm-hmm. for just random reasons. They're also known to be really picky about their types of rat, the color of the rat, the yeah, gender. Yeah, just don't, don't want to deal with it's, that. It's just too much. So I, those, those would be my two snake recommendations. Okay. okay. I, I feel like we're kind of wrapping up this topic yeah. just a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah. So I did want to have like one more one note. more thing? Go for yes, it. Yes. And that is that there are two situations that I do consider an animal advanced. Oh, yes. I remember you want to talk about this. Okay. Yes, please. That is if, in the most simplest terms, if they can kill you, they are advanced. And that comes (laughs) down to two categories, venomous, obviously, and if it's big enough. So for example, like the huge monitor lizards and the, you know, the giants of the reptile world, the reticulated pythons, the Burmese, in no situation ever should anybody ever get any of those as their first reptile. Well, and like you don't even have the basics of snake behavior. Right. Like you don't even know how to mm-hmm. anticipate if a snake is going to well, strike and or what would potentially cause mm-hmm. a snake to feel fearful and it mm-hmm. needs to well, defend itself. And those species, specifically reticulated pythons, the, of the giants of the snake world, they are one of the most well-known to have intense feeding responses. And if you don't know how to manage or maintain that, that is a huge problematic situation that you're putting yourself into. Right. There you guys go. Let us know what your first yeah. reptile reptile was or your thoughts on beginner versus advanced dying to know just because i know this can be such a hot button topic and all the corners of the reptile community yeah but a big one and one we want to talk about and again we want to encourage and challenge Mm -hmm. the hobby to move away from this beginner and advanced yeah right and instead set new keepers up for success Mm -hmm. give them the correct resources and encourage them to do to do right by these animals instead of shooting them down and like no you can't right. get that you don't have any yeah. experience I mean, like why are we discouraging anybody away from the hobby in all honesty yeah I mean, we we I want to encourage we want to encourage and build new keepers up and I yes. think that is like a huge part of this message is just we want to bring people into the hobby yes and if they're wanting something in particular don't discourage it just educate them exactly yeah. exactly yep yep so i think that gives that a little bow on top nice, nice little bow I, yeah. I feel like we covered all the all the drama of it yeah so this was <laughs> a very reptile heavy yes. discussion so we're going full 180 yeah we're getting rid of the reptiles for this combo. yeah i'm excited about this one <laughs> yeah so we're doing tips from the pros and up until this point our tips from the pros have been all reptile related reptile related mm-hmm. pros but you are in the presence of a married woman and someone who has been <laughs> on a couple of bachelorettes. Oh, a couple? I've been a bridesmaid over 10 times. When I say couple, it's literally two. Literally, yeah. No. Like, <laughs> literally a couple. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we're giving you guys tips from the pros, aka <clears throat> Lissa over here, all about bachelorette parties. Yeah. So I think the first one that we want to talk about is where do you even have your bachelorette party oh, the location, location right location is everything and and honestly also i want to caveat this a little bit with like you uh, there are so many different levels and different types of bachelorette parties and the location has everything to do with that and the location literally can just be one night out in your own city if yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. you want it yes, to be yes 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 maybe we should start like the size or elaborateness right. of it right. also 
based off of our analytics, we have about 20% male listeners. So if you want to... We're, we're so sorry. <laughs> this this can translate to bachelor parties yeah. to an extent. Or you're just like, I wonder what goes on in yeah. a bachelorette party. Feel free to listen in. But trust me, the, the, the difference in planning for a bachelorette versus a bachelor party is <laughs> wild. Watching my Very husband different. plan his bachelor party versus the... In, like ridiculousness that was mine yeah. is crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I saw it with a couple of my girlfriends as well. Yeah. But it's just, there, there are levels to it. People can go way more low key. Yep. So location wise, you could go to stay a, local. You could, yeah. you could stay local. You could go out in your own city. If that's what you want to do. If you want to go to your favorite bars on your bachelorette trip party, do that. Yeah. But you could also go super low key and do a cabin bachelorette. And I've had lots of people do stuff like that, or even a beach house. Or you can go to some full of the Vegas. Big, full Vegas. <laughs> you can go full Vegas. You can go to one of the the classics or stereotypical ones like Nashville, Nashville. or Scottsdale. Yep. I've been to one in both. <laughs> so you can you can do all the different things, but the location makes it, in my opinion. And the 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 location sets the tone for what you're trying to do. Do you want to share where your bachelorette was? Of course I do. Give me, give me an opportunity to brag on the best weekend of my life yeah. all day. <laughs> so mine was in New Orleans. And so you had been to New Orleans previously. Way, way back in college, maybe like literally I think 10, 11 years ago. And it was it just, I was obsessed with the city. I was obsessed with the architecture. I was obsessed with the spooky witchy vibes. I was obsessed with the, the swampland aspect of it. And it's just such a cool city don't get me wrong it is gross and dirty and stinky sometimes but it <laughs> is just a cool city with like such a rich culture and just rich history and it just had such a vibe to it but you knew since you're i was like, 20 years old you're like this is okay. where i want my bachelor i went on like a fraternity trip in college and had like a ridiculous weekend with a whole group of crazy frat guys and a bunch of sorority girls and i was like yes this is where this I will is, have my bachelorette is. one day. This is it. Yeah. This is the place. So when you were planning, that was a no-brainer. Like that oh, yeah. had been decided way, Ten years prior. Yeah. way ahead of time. So once you pick the location, mm -hmm. something that's really popular right now is themes. Yes. Right. And so this is like the overarching theme that will also play into mm -hmm. like the decor. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're obviously saying all this, like there's different levels, right? Like yes. you don't have to have decor is, or any or themes or this is, this is just what's have, trendy right now. It's what's trendy. It's if you have the time, the budget and the desire to go all out. Yes. That's, that's what we're talking about yeah, here. So for sure. But the theme is one of the best parts in my opinion, because you, that is where the theme is where you get to make it your own. Mm -hmm. It's where you get to really customize the weekend to you and your interests and your likes and what you love, the outfits, how you want to dress, what you want to do. Like that's one of the themes are my favorite part, which is why I had like four themes. <laughs> so I was on her bachelorette and we got this little detailed like itinerary. Oh, yeah. My sister killed it. Just but to the also best job. with the itinerary came themes for the day, mm -hmm. outfit inspos, links to Amazon, like stuff the, which was fabulous yes. mind for, you like for, for all of my friends i know you had a great time love you so much but also i apologize for the intricacies <laughs> it made packing so easy though i knew exactly yeah. what i was wearing oh yeah nobody Every overpacked day. nobody overpacked except maybe my sister who had to bring all the decor what would you say was your favorite theme oh god i don't even know i had so many good ones not your favorite outfit yeah. your favorite theme honestly i think my favorite theme was the witchy vibe 
Okay. And that's because it was a theme that was also relevant to the location, Mm -hmm. which I really, really loved. Basically, the vibe was like spooky, witchy, all black, hats, boots, like that kind of vibe. So you were rocking a black veil Mm -hmm. and these amazing fishnet snake they were so fun leggings that had these cute little rhinestones on them they were the it was one of the greatest outfits of my entire life i didn't even wear white on my bachelorette it was spectacular (laughs) thank you spectacular and then my personal favorite which i think was everyone else's favorite but uh, mine i was in all black go ahead and say it yeah it was a snake print night Mm -hmm. and this was obviously i had to do it this was so fitting and there was what like 12 girls 14? I think 17 or 18. Oh my gosh. 17 or 18. It was a lot. lot, Which goes into the next category of like the size of the party. Yeah. So there was a bunch of them. And I was the only one there who has reptiles. Right. So you've got like 16 other girls who don't do reptiles whatsoever. the group text was freaking hilarious. Quite literally, the group text, I had people texting me on the side being like, hey, like, where do we find snake print stuff? I don't know. And I'm like, I quite literally sent them my Amazon storefront idealist that says that I call it like reptile mom, like fashion or something. I was like, here you go. Here you go. (laughs) All right here. Yeah. I already had my whole outfit already. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Ready to go in your closet <laughs> yeah but that one was so great because it was not location specific Mm-mm. it was not event specific it was you yeah. specific and it was like something that was unique to you that all of your girlfriends yes. love and appreciate about you mm-hmm. even if they're not snake mm-hmm. keepers or even yeah have any interest in that they know it's a passion of yours mm-hmm. and everyone was so happy to just and, like and by wearing all of that they were like being supportive of me and yeah. who i am and it's like i'll cry talking about yeah. it but it was just it was but so the, special. But that one was not a bachelorette thing. That was a you mm-hmm. thing. And that to me was really special yes. to kind of witness. Yeah. And your sister actually got everyone these cute little snake rings. So I'm actually wearing my We didn't even notice that. My little snake ring left over oh. from your your bachelorette. Yes. So yes. I thought that was fitting because I knew we were talking about. Yeah. No, I love that you wore that. And then there's like little snake print like little um, tattoos. tattoos that people yeah. could do. It was and so, so fun. So, okay, we can talk about the number of girls then, yeah. right? Since we were talking about like the mm-hmm. the size of everything. So I would say you had a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was a big group. Well, let's start with this. How many bridesmaids did you have? 10. Okay. Which so that's 10, 10 right there, mm-hmm. right? Plus then you had a couple of girlfriends who like weren't bridesmaids specifically, right. but are close girlfriends yes. that you wanted to be there yes. to celebrate, which I think is also becoming more common now mm-hmm. to extend an invite to your oh, bachelor yeah. beyond just your, Honestly, your bridesmaids. I can think of, uh, I said this earlier, but I've been a bridesmaid like 10 plus times. And I can think of maybe like two or three of those trips that had only bridesmaids on the trip. I feel like it's very, very common nowadays yeah. to include your friends who may not have been able to be bridesmaids or because you know, you're know you limited to numbers and sure. things like that. And so I, I think that is a very common thing that you should do. If you have friends who may not you know be bridesmaids, but you really want to include, do it. Yeah, It just adds to the weekend. Yeah. I think having gone on your bachelorette with as many girls as there were, I was like, note to self, don't have this many girls and like I know you have a lot lot of friends and like every single one of those person like Mm -hmm. people needed to be there and you wanted them to be there but it was a little bit of a nightmare logistically to wrangle everybody we had to get multiple dinner reservations even for our our large party sizes Mm -hmm. because they couldn't even take reservations that were that big I'm pretty sure every restaurant we went to we had to split up on two or three different tables because they wouldn't take the whole group 
Yeah. It it's was, not that like, you don't expect to be on one giant 17 no. person table. They wouldn't even take a no. reservation. Mm-hmm. Most that of the, big. most of the restaurants capped it at 12 people. And yeah. so I had to literally go on open, open table and make like three different reservations, making using three different email addresses. It was crazy. Yeah. And then the amount of Ubers mm-hmm. that we had to get of like getting everyone, we couldn't even get an Airbnb. We had to go full hotel yeah. because there it were so many be people. Too, too difficult. I mean, I literally. I gave a semi-drunk speech one night where I cornered everybody and I was like, find your buddy. If your <laughs> buddy so is true. not around you, find them. And, or, we, and we had like, like roommates, right? Yes. It was like four-ish mm-hmm. girls to a room. And mm-hmm. so you'd be like, okay, yeah. where are my roommates? Yes. So you could like I keep like, track of everybody. Two requirements. Keep track of your roommates. If you leave or go home at any point and you don't text the group, I will kill you tomorrow. <laughs> Like I was so adamant about that just because with so many people, you yeah. can't keep track of everybody. Yeah. It's no, just so I tough. think when I have my bachelorette, I will mm-hmm. have it be on the the smaller side. Mm-hmm. I think maybe max of 10 totally. would and be where I'd I be I will at. say weighing the options of having a really big group or a smaller group, there's pros and cons to both. For sure. Just know that with the bigger group, you're going to deal with a lot of logistical issues, like the reservations, that kind of stuff. You're also probably going to deal with a lot of drama because there's a lot of different personalities, personalities mixing yep. up in there. That's a little bit of a nightmare sometimes. So there, there's a lot of benefits to having a smaller group. I just I just couldn't cut it down. Yeah. I just couldn't. Yeah. And then that's so. how it ended up breaking out. Yeah. Great. The other thing to consider is cost, mm-hmm. right? And so this can be a super sensitive subject. So I was maid of honor yeah. for the other bachelorette that I was on. And you have people from all walks of life, which means all different finances, which means all different budgets. Yeah. And I think that's a conversation that while it may be a little uncomfortable, mm-hmm. has to happen yes. early on. Because if you have a couple of your girlfriends who are like, hey, I just don't have it in my mm-hmm. budget right now to even buy a plane ticket, right. decision made, you're staying local, mm-hmm. right? Or those girls are like, hey, would love to, just like right. not in it right and, now. And I think this topic comes a little bit down to the bride and her priorities because I think there are situations. Oh, that's true. Is it like the people you want? Right. There or is it the experience that exactly. you want? Yeah, that's it, a good point. It goes hand in hand because as the bride, I am a full defender of all brides everywhere. You should always do what you want to do. And if what you want to do is that big blowout weekend, do it, but be aware that some people may not be be able to afford it. And you have to be okay with that. Yep. And you have to be okay with whether or not that will impact the friendship. Like you have to be okay with those things. Totally. And if that's something that you're okay with, then go big or go home, you know? Right. But if you are somebody that like, Every single girl that you're inviting, you would be completely heartbroken and not okay if one of them couldn't make it because of finances, then stay local. Right. So I, so I think it really comes down to what the bride's priorities are in terms of So maybe you have to have that conversation people. first. Mm-hmm. So then you're not influenced by people yes. being like, hey, right. I can't afford this. And right. you're like, oh, well, maybe I have to mm-hmm. change what I want. Like you should, that right. should be made separately. But then you do have to have a conversation early on of what people feel comfortable yeah, spending on, mm-hmm. yeah, on the bachelorette. Mm-hmm. And that could be flights, hotels, like right. activities, food, like it can add up it's, quick. It is a lot. And you have to be 
okay with the fact that some people can't do that. And so having mm-hmm. that conversation and trying to, you know, gauge a budget and things like that is is definitely, I, I would say, something, you know, important to do from the get-go. Like yeah. I I pretty much made sure from from the beginning before I even like started the group text with all the girls, like I had had different conversations with almost all of them, kind of making sure that like, hey, just so you know, like if you can or can't afford it, like it is okay. You just be honest with me, you know, let me know, like things like that. Like I kind of had an idea of like what my friends were willing to do. And I think that's just, that makes all the difference. And the activities too, like your sister was great in that she'd be like, Hey guys, we're thinking about doing this activity. It's going to cost this much Mm -hmm. and let us know, like if you want to And there were some, and there were some people that chose not to participate in certain activities, whether that was due to, you know, life or money or whatever, like that was totally up to them. It was like, you can opt out. Yeah, like hundred percent. So the activities then are a part of the mm-hmm. the bachelorette, you know, of the different things that yeah. that you can do with Which, it. Which minor side note, I did get to pet a wild alligator. Yeah. in the swamp. That was really <laughs> on cool. On my trip, <laughs> which was just yet another reason why it was a perfect location. Bachelorettes, I feel like, are so fun. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to my future bachelor. I'm already like, I can't wait. Yeah, brainstormed, you know, some potential locations and. And things like that. Um, so fun. But I think bachelorettes are just like a really special, it is. special it's just, thing. I have just such a special soft spot for them, probably because I've been a bridesmaid so many times. But I just think it's like such a cool opportunity to like shower your friend and just make them feel loved and supported. Like I think I cried like three times on mine because oh, yeah. I was just so grateful for all my friendships and, and all then, my people. And it's the, probably the one and only time. Mm-hmm. unfortunately that you'll have a girl's trip with, with like all your favorite people yes because like, you'll have future ugh. girl's trips but it'll be with like smaller yes smaller you know groups, smaller groups yeah. of those mm-hmm. friends but to have every single one you know, of your like favorite I, people like for me i had childhood friends college friends high school friends post-college real life adulthood friends like i had so many walks of life and i think as somebody who is getting married, if you are, you know, in the process of that or will be one day or whatever, like just don't miss out on the opportunity to have all your favorite people in one yeah. space for a night, a weekend, whatever you want to make of it. I just, it's just such a special time. And I think it's just such a, a great way for the bride to feel appreciated and for the friends to get to meet the other friends yeah. and all of that. And I just, it's and a that, great. And that was your attention. That would be my intention with mm-hmm. the bachelorette versus the like stereotypical, like, you know, your last night as like a no, single woman stripper is like I, the whole, like. I haven't been single for three years. And, like, that's yeah, dumb. <laughs> yeah. So I look at it as more as like your last hurrah in a way, but mm-hmm. like really just a time the for like your girls. The opportunity to bring all your girls together. Yeah. Is I think just a really special one. Yeah. And just like celebrate the bride and mm-hmm. you in this new milestone, yeah. this new chapter. And like, it's, I think that's really special. I, every bachelorette trip I've ever gone on and even my own are just some of my most cherished memories. I yeah. Mean, it's just, you make great memories on those things, man. Yeah. So let us know, you guys, yeah. it, like how your bachelorettes. If you had one, tell us where it was. I would love to know. I yeah. love different locations. Like what what level did you do a stay in cabin or did you go all out in Vegas? Like let us know. I love this stuff. Yeah. So that wraps it up. We wanted to give a little something in there that had nothing to do with yeah. reptiles, but random life stuff. But we're girly, so this yeah. is what we this is what we talk about. We gotta we gotta give our reptile reptile girlies all the all the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, yeah. 
all that good stuff. Remember, we're going live on YouTube as soon as we hit 500. 500, baby. So we can't wait to hang out with you guys. Yes, always be sure to follow the podcast mm-hmm. at the Wild Time Podcast. I'm Neptune the Chameleon. And I'm Lissa Slizzards. And we'll and talk to you later. I almost did it again. <laughs> I almost said, and we're your reptile girlies again. We can again. say that. Ready? And we're your reptile Now I'm not saying it. <laughs> Anyways, we love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>